my confidence, even though I was projecting big confidence, my confidence was low. And so the big thing with social is that I wasn't living offline because I wasn't, I wasn't happy. And when, when I was utilizing social media, it was easy to hide. And I mean, I am a happy person. I say that because like, I, I can find joy. So I don't want to say that I was necessarily, um, I was never faking it when I was happy on social media necessarily, but I was hiding the low moments. Welcome back to the Tea Please podcast. I'm so glad you're here and I'm super excited for this episode. You just heard from our guest this week, Amanda McLernan, and I'm really passionate about this topic. I am really always been fascinated with social media and my behavior online and other people's behavior online. I just think it's really interesting. So I love talking about social media and how that affects our lives in general. And we get into it with this episode. Amanda is the CEO and founder of McLernan & Co., a social media agency, and she's a publisher of a magazine called Keep Social Media Social. She likes to explore social media marketing, technology addiction, human empathy, relationships in the digital and physical worlds. She has such unique perspective, and I think she's so spot on with a lot of what she says, and she is so passionate, you guys. You'll hear it in her voice. She's an excellent storyteller, and all of her stories are really relatable, and I just am so excited to share her with you guys. I have been following Amanda on Instagram for about a year and a half now. I first saw her at Denver Startup Week in Denver, obviously. It's basically a week-long tech conference where different speakers can come and talk on different topics. And Amanda was there talking about social media and she really struck out to me because she's talking about social media strategy, which we hear a lot about, but she has such a different take on it and how to really build your business with authenticity and what that looks like. So it's not about how to get the Instagram posts to connect with the reels, to also connect with the IGTV and all of the other strategy and logistics that we hear or think about when we First think of social media strategy. She is just such a fresh air in the space, and I think you're really going to like it. This episode is really for everyone, whether you're a business owner wondering how to show up online for your business and still create authentic connection, or it's also just for anyone who is questioning or reflecting on their social media use and wondering what those boundaries can look like if maybe you're feeling like you're spending too much time online or just kind of looking at your behavior through a different type of lens. And I'm just going to get right into it this week. So let's go. Oh, just kidding. Before we do, make sure to leave a review if you're listening on Apple Podcasts and come follow me on Instagram at the Tea Please Podcast. Okay, now let's go. During COVID and this year, this last year, people have spent so much more time online. And I'm kind of noticing a trend in people calling out how much time we spend online. So I'm just curious what your experience has been. And I know you have maybe a professional and personal side of it. So I'm actually going to take us backwards a little bit in time because my, um, you know, my relationship with social media has been long and it's been kind of um, multifaceted over the years. You know, as, as people have probably heard, 
I am the CEO of a social media agency. I run an online community that is all about keeping social media social. I publish a magazine about social media. So like social media is a very big part of my life. And the funny thing is, is the reason I have to take us backwards is because right now my relationship with social media is phenomenal. I have social media in a healthy balance in my life. I very much enjoy living life offline, but part of the reason I got to this place is because I went through a really unhealthy period with social media. And my unhealthy period actually was back around 2018 and even kind of stemming into some 2019. And it was the the similarity between what a lot of other people are experiencing right now and what I experienced was I was so lonely. In 2018, I left a five-year relationship and I thought I was going to marry this person. Um, we had a, we just, we had a life together. And that leaving that relationship was very scary and very hard. Luckily, he's an incredible man. So not like scary or hard from, you know, a, a domestic standpoint, but more because I had really had this vision for my life and I had really seen it go in one direction. And all of our friends were kind of, I mean, for five years, like, yeah, all your friends are going to be very connected. You know, we had moved to Denver. Um, which was, So it was a brand new city for us only six months earlier. And, you know, we had known the relationship was a bit on the rocks. So that was a choice we both made. But I found myself single, living in a studio. Mm-hmm. I was about 27 years old. And I was re- like finding myself, like discovering myself. And, um, you know, when you live in a studio and you're new in a city and you want to make friends, yeah. you turn to social media. At least you do if you're me. And so I spent so much time on Instagram, so much time. I was a Bumble queen. Yes. <laughs> so much, and which I mean, I think Bumble is a social media. Yeah. You know, it's not just dating. You're also there for Bumble BFF. And then there was Bumble Biz. So I was bumbling up a storm. And that's when I that was when I got into trouble with social media. And what did it feel like or when did you notice that it was having a negative impact on your life? How did you identify that, hey, maybe I'm spending too much time? So I had a rock bottom, wow, rock bottom moment. And I do talk about my rock bottom moment, so I will share. Um, But, you know, social media was not my only coping mechanism. You know, for anyone listening who is in touch with their Enneagrams, um, I'm an Enneagram 8, which means I have a really, really sometimes it can be very hard for me to be vulnerable if it's not something I practice. And I've been practicing vulnerability thanks to Dr. Brené Brown and others now for a couple of years. I also had um, business as a coping mechanism because when you throw, you, you know, I had thrown so much love and energy into my relationship and that ended. And so I, I said to myself like, well, if I put all this love and energy into my business, my business will never my business and I won't break up, which now years later, I'm like, oh, honey, like you're so sweet. But just because you put all that love in your business doesn't always mean it comes back. And it doesn't always mean it's good energy. So my rock bottom moment was I, um, you know, I was I was in my studio and I was throwing up again. And um, I don't, I'm someone who, when I get really stressed, mm-hmm. my body shows it, tells it, says very much, hello, we are sick. I've been losing a lot of hair. I wasn't eating very well. So when I was throwing up, like, I, I just didn't have enough sustenance in my body. Um, it was like literally lying on the bathroom floor. And I was like, shoot, like, I gotta, 
I gotta go to the ER. Like, I don't have enough fluid in me. I can't keep anything down. This is not healthy. Like, and it, it was, you know, you, you know your body. You know yourself. You know when it's to that point. Yeah. And I was like, well. Was that just stress-induced? It was stress-induced, yeah. At the time, um, cash flow was tight. And we, we were doing a ton like a ton in revenue but cash flow was tight because we were doing so much revenue that money was going in money was coming out like there was just a lot going on that was my dog sneezing by the way you heard that (laughs) she's on my lap and it was all stress induced but also you know when you put that much into the business and when you know i was so single i was so lonely i was looking for validation and i was looking for like external love everywhere through my business through social media and that has stress on your body. Like when you constantly look for validation and love outside of yourself and you can't give it to yourself, eventually like your cup runneth out, you know, like, and you just can't, you know, I know people say that you can't pour from an empty cup, but sometimes people think that, well, just doing work and just doing normal work, that's not pouring. That's just me living. No, you can't do that either. So it was stress induced. And I was like, well, shoot, I need to go to the ER. And I was like, well, who am I going to call? I did not want, I had a business partner at the time. I did not want my business partner to see me in that place because I didn't want her to worry about the state of the business, if that made sense. Like I really thought that would jeopardize that. And then every other friend I had in Denver was also connected to the business. And again, I was so worried. I didn't want people to see me in that state because people see you in that state, like, yeah, you're gonna lose some trust when it comes to business. And I mean, as you should, like I was not in a good place. So I took an Uber to the ER and I took an Uber home from the ER later that night when I was discharged after I gotten like my fluids back in me. On the way to the ER is when I kind of had my rock vomit moment of like, Amanda, we have spent And part of this is, by the way, I'm not someone to blame social media. And I've actually read some studies on this too, is like, I don't necessarily think social media caused my issue, my, my personal challenges in my experience. I think social media was kind of a symptom and something that continued to not necessarily help me when I was in a really low period. And I, I mean, I've moved all over the country multiple times, so I have very close friends. It's just that they weren't here in Denver, but because of social media, because of business, I had made so many friends that I I just couldn't, I I didn't have the friends that I could call when I needed to go. And so that was my rock bottom aha moment that, you know, Amanda, like I've done so much living on social media and so much living for the business that I've lost what it means to like actually be alive and have close friends. Because if I don't have anyone to call when I'm in the ER, like, we have a problem. And so that that was my aha moment. How did you put the boundaries in place to get where you are now saying, I have this great relationship with social media? Was it purely like your own efforts? Did you get help with it? Or how did you start to put in like the actual framework to have a healthy relationship? Yeah, good questions. And the one thing that I continue to teach even now is I teach a framework that worked for me. I think the biggest thing is just addressing it and addressing that you need some type of framework and some type of boundary. So the first, uh, there's so many, by the way, there's so many answers to this. The very first thing is that I made the connection and I I had to state it. And for me, stating things is when I write it down in my journal is that um, I was in a huge hustle mentality in the business. And part of the reason I could not get off of social media is because I could not stop like 
looking for opportunities in social media. And also... Because your business at the time was still social media, right? So when yeah. you were engaging on social media, what was your mindset when you were scrolling or, or going online? Was it with the business in mind? Yeah, my mindset was like, who can I connect with? And by the way, I've always connected genuinely. I'm not someone who... I never connect disingenuously. It's just that I never got offline. Do you know what I mean? It just never stopped. So I was just connecting with people. And then when people would connect with me, they'd want to talk business. And then, you know, we'd, we'd maybe turn them into a client. And there was just, it was just nonstop business. And so the first thing I did is I recognized that business and my business and entrepreneurship was the reason I got into this unhealthy place with social media, plus the addition of me being single and dating. And I, so I had to go cold turkey. After that, I booked a trip. This is all way pre-COVID, by the way. It's like, wait, this is, again, this is back in like, now Now we're in 2019, by the way, when this happened. So 2019, so I booked a trip to Reno. I had lived in Reno for four years before I lived in Denver. Reno felt like my adult home, if you will. Like, that's where I had my most adult friends. Um, after college friends, like, that's where I just had a lot of close people. So I booked a trip and I actually booked a vacation. Like, I did not work for three days. Because I was there in person with my friends, I didn't have the need to go on social media. I had to delete um, in order to like actually do that. And I, I say I went cold turkey, but I think I probably still posted stories when I was there, to be honest. Like now that I call myself out on this, I'm like, oh shoot, did I fully go cold turkey? Which I don't think I did. But I, I, I remember I deleted Gmail because G- Gmail was tied to it for me. For me, social was not just my problems with the apps. It was every yeah. app that connected me with other people. So Gmail, Bumble. Connection online. I did delete Bumble that time. Because I will say, unfortunately, Bumble was a really big part of my struggle because of the way that Bumble vibrated in your hand when you got a connection and it made me feel love, like, which I wasn't feeling a lot towards myself at the time. So I, mm. I, Bumble, I went cold turkey on. Bumble, I deleted and just never looked back. And the funny thing was, is um, I'm now like with a very, very serious boyfriend. And he and I met, we had, we like, we met just a little before this, but we started dating only like two weeks after this. So it's really funny that when I quit Bumble, cold turkey that is when I met my person in real life and like actually had a good connection the other thing I did is at the time I was seeing a therapist and one of the things she and I had to do was we named it we named it an addiction and that was a choice that she and I made together because we felt like it was going to be frankly easier to solve if we named it I am hesitant to talk about that or not hesitant to talk about that I say this with a lot of respect because I have you know I have I have friends who are recovering addicts and from up, you know, other sources and I will also say that I I think that there's not not just I think like if you read about this there's different types of addictions and I will say I still had some control it's just that the reason my therapist and I decided to identify it and name it was because that then we could be a little bit more proactive in solving it I like that approach though and I like that you did like you are taking the time to explain that, that it was a choice to call it yeah. that. Like you were not diagnosed no. with a social media addiction. Yeah, correct. And that's, and I, and I always like to bring that up because I like to have a lot of respect for other people with diagnosed addictions. It, I do think it's a different, it's a, it's a different beast. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But I do believe that it needs to be spoken about. The other thing is, you know, 
and I'll be I'll be really transparent right now. Now we are in COVID. Now we're seeing a lot of people toe the line, dance the line. I don't know what phrase we want to use, but like people who are like, well, is it an addiction if I have two glasses of wine a night? Is it an addiction if I just smoke a little bit of a joint? So I'm in Colorado, so that's like very legal here. But like if, uh, like a day, like what is addiction? And I think one of the things that my therapist and I talked about was, am I comfortable? with my usage level. And my answer for myself, especially given my rock bottom moment, was no. And what the other thing that we had asked me was, is my level of usage impacting my quality of life? And the answer was yes. And so that's that's kind of how we did that. So I, I did use um, traditional therapy um, in radical transparency. I really have only ever seen my therapist. Like, I'm not in a current relationship with a therapist right now. And I only ever saw her about like once a month. So I wasn't like I use therapy as a one like traditional talk therapy as one form but then I also for me I'm such a self studier so I studied um it helped me to study addiction and to study habits that was a big thing because again when I when I look back at like you know addiction and just the different types for me also what I had was a series of very bad habits. And so how could I break the habit cycle? So, um, you know, the OG book is called The Power of Habit. But then the recent book that everyone likes is Atomic Habits. Um, I've read both. I like both. They both talk about some different things. Mm -hmm. Atomic Habits does quote and pulls off of, you know, the power of habit quite a bit. But I think they're both good if that's something you're exploring. But then the big shift for me, and this is, again, something we discovered in therapy, is like, well, why am I on social media so much and that answer um and this was actually not only something i talked about in therapy but this is a this is a big talking point between me and my boyfriend um who's my current partner aaron i wasn't i wasn't living offline really i didn't have hobbies i and by the way i am someone who like loves hobbies all sorts of them loves them honestly i was just going through a really low time in my emotional life and because of that it was hard for me to go out it was hard for me to find new things to do I was in a low period of earning in my business because even though the business was booming from a revenue standpoint, it takes a lot of money. Like we were, we were on our way to doing a million a year. It takes a lot to do that. And so I wasn't paying yeah. myself as much. So my, my income was low. My confidence, even though I was projecting big confidence, my confidence was low. And so the big thing with social is that I wasn't living offline because I wasn't, I wasn't happy. And when, when I was utilizing social media, it was easy to hide. And I mean, I am a happy person. I say that because like I, I can find joy. So I don't want to say that I was necessarily, um, I was never faking it when I was happy on social media necessarily, but I was hiding the low moments. Yeah, like I, I can totally relate to feeling happy showing up on social media, but it's not the full picture or like finding joy in that in showing up in social media for the time being is like that short term instant gratification of joy. It's not like, am I happy in life at this moment? That might be a different answer. And to my credit, I did show some of the low. I did. And because that's part of the reason that my audience um, and my my community has really, like, grown with me over the years. Um, I did I did show some of the low, but every time I would show some of the low and be open, on the one hand, I would get people who would be like, oh my god, thank you for being so real. This is so amazing. And on the other hand, I would literally get people who would tell me, like, 
you really shouldn't share so much of yourself. It's really off-putting to your clients. And like, I couldn't win. Do you know what I mean? Like, I couldn't win no matter what. And that's one thing that I think women, especially, experience on social media as a business owner is you can't win. If you share too much, then you're mm. burying your soul. If you share too little, you're being inauthentic. And I just want to set the record straight here. Keeping social media social means showing up to social media in a way that is authentic for you at the time. And that relationship and that authenticity and not just the authenticity, but like the level in which you are willing to share is going to change in your life. You know, I've been on social media since I was 11 years old. Okay. My first was it was AOL instant messenger. And then I had boundaries of, you know, I was not allowed to go in the open chat rooms. Um, and by the way, I followed the rules because I am very much a rule follower, <laughs> very much. <laughs> and, um, and those were boundaries that made sense when I was 11. You know, when I was in college, I didn't get, you know, I didn't want to overly share about all the details about where I was and what I was doing because like, you know, you're a young woman in college and I still walk places alone at night. Like I want to be smart. You know, now, like I've, I shared pretty openly for a little while when I was single, when I wasn't with someone. Now I have a boyfriend and he, you know, he has certain things that we prefer to keep private because that is what we prefer in our relationship. When I have a child, there's going to be different levels. And I, I just want to give so much reassurance to anyone listening that whatever level you want to show up and be social at and share as long as it is the right level for you at that time that is keeping social media social it's so important to recognize that and my follow-up question to that is how did you find what was authentic to show up in because i i that's like a personal question that i think other people can relate to as well but it's hard to figure out what even is yeah. authentic if you're Thoughts are so muddled by one consumption. You know, if you're scrolling and scrolling and scrolling, when I do that, my mind is fluttering. It's fluttering so fast and it's hard for me to organize my thoughts and figure out how, yep. like, what even is authentic to me. So how did you figure that out for yourself? Yeah, well, let me tell you, it's still an ongoing process. Okay, fine. And I think just as, as women, as humans, because I know men who deal with this too, but just finding your voice in general, because that's really finding your voice. You know what I mean? That goes so deep, yeah. so much deeper than social media. It's an ongoing process and uh, trial and error. Um, frankly, because I've gotten vulnerability hangovers from sharing something on social media and being like, oh, fuck. Like, <laughs> that was, like, that went, I didn't like that. I feel icky because now you get feedback from some Joe Schmo who, like, don't get me wrong. Like, I'm glad to have Joe Schmo in my community. I'm glad to be connected. But I don't actually want your opinion on what it is I just decided to share. So I've had to really find this balance of, how do I share also without soliciting a lot of opinions? One thing about my social is I don't ask for a lot of feedback because I don't want it. I use my social as a channel to communicate. Part of communication, yes, is back and forth conversation, but I'm not looking for an argument. I'm not looking for any of that. So I've really, as I've aged, I've had to learn how to create content and speak that does not elicit a lot of feedback on what it is I am talking about. And I've even had to learn how to politely say, thank you, no thank you. You know, like, thank you for your message. I'm actually not looking to discuss this, but I really appreciate your thoughts. You know what I mean? Like, because yeah. I'm not. So I think trial and error. Um, the other thing that I really want to touch on that you brought up is a great point. 
and this goes back to my whole framework, which I know was kind of your original question, and I'm doing my best to answer. I hope it's okay, but it is a big framework. It's a big process, but it's it's all just exploration. You t- you talked about consuming. One of the things that I explore in my GTFO Get to Freedom Online coursework workbook talk that I'm developing is: Are you consuming or are you creating? And let me tell you. Keeping social media social does mean that you are there to communicate, that you are there to be a part of a community, but that does not mean you get need to get lost in the consumption sinkhole. I am a creator at heart. You know, I'm a, I'm a speaker. I really enjoy creating. And so if I spend too much time online consuming, my mind gets muddied and then I can't find my own voice. Then I'm just seeing other people's stuff and I become a parrot. And that is not a goal of mine. That's not something I want to do in my life. So I've really, really, really had to um, put up some boundaries with consumption on social media. And my boundaries, by the way, are number one, I don't follow anyone I think I have to follow. I mean, there are some friends of mine who we are friends and I have muted them or I do not follow them. And it's simply because what they post on social media is not necessarily what I want to be seeing. The GTFO notebook um, and workbook that we have really encourages people to set their own set of quote unquote rules or boundaries. These are just mine. And I don't care if these get like people can adopt these or you can be creative with yours. But I don't like to follow anything that makes me feel icky or like attacked. And let me tell you, in today's like today's world, that happens a lot. And I might follow an account because I love to learn from them and I'm learning something from them. Mm -hmm. But they might have a day where whoever's posting their content like really got intense and went on the attack mode. And if I feel attacked, I do not hesitate to hit the unfollow button. And here's why. If I am meant to remember that organization or that person or be reconnected with them or do something with them in the future, I will remember them or the universe slash God slash whatever powers there are in this world will bring them back in front of me. And so it's, and it's not, and by the way, I never, I am never the person saying, I'm not following you. No, they don't need to know. Um, you know, one of the things I really like about Clubhouse is that it's got to leave quietly. Um, yeah, the little peace sign. Yeah, leave quietly. That is what I do. Because, and that's, that's also something that I know people do to me. And that's okay. We were never meant, you know, one of the things I I deeply believe in, Sarah, is that we were never meant to only listen to the same people again and again and again. If you think about the different times in life where you've learned something, maybe from a college professor, maybe you're religious, so maybe a pastor, there was likely a period of your life that you really learned from that person. And that's what it was meant to be. I don't think that we were meant to be connected with people or influencers or whoever for an extended Mm -hmm. amount of time so I think if at any point you are just feeling like oh this just doesn't align with me right now unfollow because if you really want to find them again you will yeah absolutely and to piggyback off that one of the the practices that I've really put in place with my own boundaries and realizing every message that people put out there 
is not meant for you. Like you didn't, yep. you didn't always just come on something that you just needed to know. Sometimes I think that happens. Sometimes I think I see something on social media that I'm like, wow, that really hit me. I really resonate with that. And I'm so glad that I saw that. But there's so much other messaging and noise on the internet and on social media that is simply not meant for me at that moment in time. Like yep. a perfect example would be someone who needs to hustle. Like those messages are not for me. I know that now because I will do that to myself automatically. I don't need to hear like, oh, you need to, you need to hustle to get things done. Or, you know, every hour that you don't work on something is some hour that someone else is working towards the same goal. Like, that's not motivating to me at all. I think it could be for some people, but that's not where I'm at at this point. I don't need the hustle messaging. So I just think that's really important to call out too, is like, if you do see a lot of those messages, you don't need to follow them, especially in this last year, there's there's kind of a lot of that. Doing the work to understand the the social injustices in the world and all of that. And yes, absolutely we need to do that. But do we need to follow all of these accounts that are that are putting that in our inner feeds constantly? Like that's not the way that I'm choosing to do the work, but it could be for some people. Yeah. This actually goes into a topic and a philosophy I created called aligned activism. And um, there's a few parts that I, if you don't mind, if I go from here. Um, yeah, yeah. So one of the first things that before I get into aligned activism, I want to talk about triggers because triggers is something that people learn about um, in therapy. And it's something also that happens a lot on social media is that you're triggered. I literally still get triggered sometimes. Okay. And I mean, I've been in, I've been in therapy for years now, but triggers can come up at different times. And you know, I, I know a lot of people are over that word, and that's okay. For me, the way that I really now understand triggers and now kind of define it is when I get triggered by something, it's a sign that something in me needs some examination there. Just, and I'm, and I don't always know what, and I can't usually figure it out on social media, right? My deepest work with myself does not happen on social. But a trigger is just a reminder that I need to do some that I need to do some reflection there. It doesn't mean that I constantly need to be triggered. And there are some accounts on social that from any direction of activism or something, like it is it can be very triggering. And so it's just it's just one of those things that is a reminder of, you know what, for me and my mental health, I do not constantly need to be exposed to all of that. And if I really am going to work through the trigger and if I am going to be able to develop and move on, you can't constantly be triggered. That is like kind of the point of removing triggers so that you can do the deep work so that you can come back and later not necessarily be triggered by whatever thing it is. That's just a good personal boundary to set on social is that if something really triggers you, you are allowed to unfollow or mute or block or whatever choice you want that to be for you. That's okay. The next thing is the aligned activism. So, okay, this is a this is a fun area, and I got to tell you, I um I got called out so hard from um actually my boyfriend um to, and this is how I made this philosophy. By the way, he is the, he loves me the most, which means he can call me out the most. Yeah, no one else has that that amount of love for me, so I don't like it from anyone else. <laughs> That's all right. You don't need it from everyone. You just need it from the ones who know you. Bingo, bingo. Yes. 
so we were driving back home. So we live in Colorado. He's from Iowa. I'm from Wisconsin. So we're very Midwestern roots family. We're driving back home on I-70. And if you've ever drove to I-70 East, it is filled with, um, like, the wind turbines. Um, Just tons of them. And climate change has been something that I have been actively focused on for a few years i care about it every time i read or watch or something it's it's definitely the subject that is able to get me hot and bothered because part of the highway collapsed in california and paris is flooding right now okay so like it's a thing (laughs) it's a thing i was deep in an anxiety session and i was like i just you know i was just so worried about climate change and we should be talking about this more and we should be blah, blah, blah blah and he had to stop me he's like amanda he's like i have heard you complain about climate change and like basically talk about this for like the last month he's like but what are you doing like in everyday life what are you doing and i was like oh and i'm like well i'm trying to do this and this and this he's like yeah sure but like is that having the impact you want it to have and i'm like well no and he's like well then what would you need to do that would have more of an impact and i was like oh Part of the reason I was so hot and bothered with climate change is because I was following all of these climate change accounts on Instagram and I was reposting their stories and I was like, climate change, let's talk about this. But it didn't actually fix that anxiety in my heart because I wasn't actually fucking doing anything. And me talking about it was not doing one damn thing. And I thought, oh, well, maybe I'm educating other people about climate change so they'll go do things. And he's like, Amanda what all you can do is control yourself all you can do in this whole universe is take responsibility for your own single actions so i realized that i unfollowed like all the climate change accounts and again not an anti-love thing i still still deeply love climate change activists right however that was not helpful for me then i got offline and i did research about what i could do in my house in my community And I started doing those things. And now, if I share something on social media, it is about the action that I have chosen to take. That is my aligned activism, like philosophy, applied to one thing. And by the way, you can apply that. You can apply that to politics. You can, and not just politics, you can apply that to any organization or thing that you care about you can apply it to social media i mean there are so many people right now that are telling people to get offline and i truly feel like you are are one that actually does that but yeah it's the same thing you know if if you want to get offline and you want people to to know that that's important then how are you showing up in your own life (laughs) bingo did you see my post and i so i do still post by the way i am offline but My current relationship with social media is I love to bring real life onto social media. That's how I keep social media social. Yes. And so uh, yesterday I accomplished a huge, huge, huge thing in my life, my adult life. I got on a horse. So I grew up with horses, right? I grew up in the Midwest. I grew up riding. But getting into something as an adult, anyone like so I'm 29 years old now, right? And I'm not like old yet. I, I feel very young. But getting back into a sport or a hobby that you loved as a child, as an adult, can be a bit daunting, especially when it's a fucking horse and you have to figure out. Sorry, I didn't mean to swear. But no, like, that's okay. Like, horses aren't just, like, around for you to get on. It takes- I can't do horses, so <laughs> props to you. It was so much fun. It was so good. It was the best. But, yeah, no, I and, – and that's the one thing. If I die tomorrow, 
I want people to be like, Amanda wasn't just someone who talked about social media. No, like Amanda was someone who loved life. And she brought that love of life to social media. And she taught and she lived by example. That's what I want. And so me getting called out from Aaron was how I created that aligned activism philosophy. And now there's not anything I post about on social media that I am not really actually doing something about in real life. And by the way, I am not, I am not here going to be winning awards for activism. Yeah. I support activists. And that's great. I realized, like, I bring other gifts to the world. And it doesn't mean that I'm not active. Let me tell you, I'm active, and I'm active in multiple different things. But it just means that I don't have my whole identity tied up into being an activist. And I did for a few years. I marched. I made signs. Like, I did a whole bunch of stuff. And that was my identity for a little while. And then I was like, wait, this doesn't feel... Again, when you're, you know, what's authentic... And when I said trial and error, <laughs> I woke up and I realized that in, in partly having a good friend, my boyfriend, call me out was I'm not being authentic to myself right now because just me talking about the stuff on social media, that's not Amanda. That's we know how to do so much more. So we just need yeah. to go do more. And then I don't need to talk about it as much because my soul is filled. You know what I mean? Absolutely. So you work with businesses in your day-to-day. You work with businesses and social media strategy online. So a lot of people listening might be trying to build a following online also. How does that translate? Like, how do you think keeping social media social can actually help a business grow? And where do you think it's gone off? Like, what does it mean to not be keeping social media social? Oh, I love this question. And there's multiple things to unpack here. So let me try to do this. I really don't believe in putting too much weight into your follower number as a business online. Yes, it can show influence. Yes, it can show that you can build a community, but it does not always equate to dollars. When I was less than one year into business, there was another agency out in the world that was huge on social media. And they did a lot of social media. They did a lot of blogging. And it was a really sexy company from the outside. Less than two years later, they wound that business down. And by the way, that doesn't always show that a business is failing. It just means that something in that business is not worth continuing. That's And that's actually why a lot of businesses go out. A lot of businesses don't go out because it's like, oh, no, we've been in the red for way too long. It's just too hard to keep going. It's just not fun for the founders. You know, like it's just not it's just not there. So less than two years later, after they were huge and big and I was so... I looked, at, I looked up to them. I was like, oh my God, they're the best in the industry. They must have the most amazing business. They went out. And thousands of followers on a profile, like that doesn't actually mean that you have clients. Doesn't mean that you're getting referrals. Doesn't mean that you've got good partners. Doesn't mean that you're a good person. You know, how many people with bajillion followers do we know that we're like, ooh, are they really an ethical person in any way? So I think keeping social media social means not get not letting your ego get the best of you when it comes to follower numbers. And at the same time, understanding that, yes, it can be great to grow a community, but then grow an aligned community. You know what I mean? Like, grow your people. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with having thousands of followers as long as that's not your main MO for being in business. Yeah. Do you know what I mean there? Yeah. Let me answer one more about how keeping social media social really also applies to business. And then let me give you an example of what not keeping social media social looks like on social. Great. So another example of yes, like yay, is, you know, 
I got into business because I love small business. Uh, my, mo- my, my mom runs a small business that I helped her launch and start up a year before I started mine. Uh, my dad works for a small business. Most of my family is in small business. And actually, a lot of people, you know, because small business here in the United States is defined as like $4 million a year and under. Wow. That's a really big business. That's a pretty big business. So small business is big business, first of all. Okay. Or I'm using quotations for those of you who can't see me. But like, I love small business. And when you do business in the small business sense, you business people you know, you like, and you trust. And keeping social media social basically means that you are going to enter the online business world with the same values, the same ethics, the same respect for other people that you would offline, that you would if you were starting a business in your literal physical neighborhood. Because I think a lot of people like to forget their values and their ethics when they join online. I wonder why that is. I wonder why it's so hard or why we feel such a distinction because I think you're totally right with showing up differently in the real world versus online. But it's so easy to do that. Like, why is it so easy to be a different person? It's so easy. Well, one thing is because we're all still growing up and we're getting comfortable liking the person that we are. You know, I didn't really love the person I was until I was 28 years old. I mean, I did when I was younger, but, and I, and I, like, I'm not a man, so I can't speak to the male experience, um, but I don't mean to disinclude them from this. I, I'm certain they are. I just can't speak to it. But as a young woman, I was conditioned to hate myself for a few years. I was conditioned to want to be the best or better or better than other people. And part of that is my own fault. Okay. Part of that is part of that is something I believed and I bought into. But part of that was very much a lot of message around me. So I was like, I have to be bigger than what I am. I have to be better. I have to be the best or I have to be whatever, whatever. And online, it's so easy to be the avatar that you want to be. It's so easy. All the tools are at your hand, you know, with with filters and editing and And just, it's so easy to look larger than life. And when you look larger than life, then you start to feel larger than life. And then you're like, oh my God, I like myself. But that's not liking yourself. That's liking your avatar. It's so true. Like that's a big, it's a big conviction for me, honestly, in in seeing how like my behavior differs sometimes with being online or, you know, I think I'm, I'm growing the lens of looking through how I show up online. And then, you know, even if I do post something that I'm like, ugh, eh, that wasn't it, <laughs> you know, then then I don't do that anymore. Yeah. And being like gracious in that too, because it is a learning experience. Yeah, then you learn. You know, you don't have to feel bad. Oh, I yeah. think sometimes like if, if someone is trying to show up online as a business or as someone trying to grow a following or, or have an impact online, it might mean showing up in a weird way for a little bit because it's, it's a totally different world. And so figuring out what that looks like and, and actually what is authentic to you yeah. and how to show up with the same values, it kind of takes practice. It also means not bullshitting. Like I, so my boyfriend called me out. Oh, he always calls me out. I see a thread here. Good for him. <laughs> you have a keeper over there. I do. I do. And I, and also I'm teaching him how to call me out in a way that I'll actually learn from and not just shut down. And he's mm-hmm. doing very well. Um, but at Christmas, love the intentionality. Oh, I, I know he's so sweet. Um, <laughs> at Christmas, um, so this is now COVID period. We made the decision to travel home um, to Iowa and Wisconsin because in our family, um, risk was low. In our family, everyone who we talked to 
Um, it, it was still, like, very individual families. Um, but, like, pretty much everyone was comfortable with, e with each other's boundaries. With I was the least comfortable person. I was the most uncomfortable. And I was like, let's follow the rule. Like, not, not just rules of the universe, or excuse me, whatever state we were in. But, like, I was just very, very, very anal about everything. Well, we get there, and things are going good, things are going good, things are going good, and I have the opportunity to, like, get on a four-wheeler. And I'm not sharing, like, anything over Christmas, but I'm sharing, like, a little bit of, like, here I'm at my house, we're doing it safely, whatever. So I take this, I take some videos on the four-wheeler, um, and I basically just talk about how, like, it's a privilege because we're in the country. It's, I feel very, I feel very comfortable that we're, like, being safe. So I posted it. And Aaron literally walks into the room that I was in and he was like, I'm not comfortable with this. And I was like, whoa, <laughs> hi. Um, okay, you want to tell me why? And he was like, you are virtue signaling. And I was like, what do you mean? He's like, well, have you heard of that term before? And I was like, no, please, please educate me. And virtual, si virtual signaling is um, basically like when you post about doing something that you, because you want other people to think you're doing the right thing. And it's something that came up a lot during, um, you know, the, the Black Lives Matter movement this year and, and just during other things. Like, virtual signaling is a thing. People do it. I have mm -hmm. accidentally done it. I really wish we didn't use it as a sword so much. I wish, we, I wish, like Aaron, we could just educate people a little bit more. I think that'd be really, really, really neat. But he was like, well, and I was like, well, wait, but I do feel really excited and grateful that we're able to distance. How is this virtual signaling? He's like, because, Amanda... 10 minutes before you took this content and you posted this content, you were complaining about your brother. My brother, by the way, is the most amazing person and I love him and the 100% opposite of me. But basically my brother was not following some things that I felt comfortable with COVID and I, and it was bothering me because he kept coming back to the house. So even though I was not like necessarily exposed to these people, like he kept doing this stuff. I was very I was genuinely annoyed. And he was like, you haven't really talked about how your brother has like continued to see people and continue to whatever. And I'm like, I don't want to, I don't want to sell my brother on social media. Like I'm not looking for him to get roasted. Um, and he's like, yeah, but then like, why do you post that? Like everyone's being safe than this. He's like, that's the virtual signal. And I'm like, okay, well, so if I just post this as me for billing and having a good time, is that okay? And he's like, yeah, because then you're not sending one message that is not, not true. So I think in that case, he called me out for not keeping social media social because I wasn't being honest. That wasn't full honesty. Yeah, like the, the intent behind it, like might have been coming from a funky place. But and honestly, who knows if other people would even see that? No one would ever see it. That's a thing. It still comes down to you. And that's how like you can work on feeling Bingo. good about your relationship with Bingo. social media and showing up the way you want by holding True to that. You know, yes, call out culture and cancel culture is a bit of a thing right now. But I think what's more important is that you feel comfortable with what you've posted and you are being honest to yourself. And, you know, it's, it's about having a conscience. And, you know, I, I was grateful to have Aaron to teach me that lesson. And I and I call and because I'm not afraid of it, I called myself out. So I uh, deleted the original post, which they were all like stories. 
and then reposted and basically was like, okay, so I'm calling myself out for virtual signaling. When I OG posted this, I posted it with this. However, I just learned about virtual signaling. So let me teach you about that. Yeah. <laughs> and like, not let me teach you, but you know what I mean? Like, let me share about how I just learned this the hard way. And then I re and then I reposted and, um, you know, I'm, I'm not ashamed of calling myself out because I am a messy human who I make mistakes on an absolute daily basis and I have so much to learn. Um, but yeah, that was a good lesson. It was a good lesson. And I was very, very grateful that I prefer to learn those lessons by someone I love and I prefer for them to be done in love because he did it in love. And I prefer for those to be done offline. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think that you definitely show a level of humility that, you know, is admirable and, and it takes a special person to be able to take that feedback and say like, okay, like you're right. And we're going to work on that and that's okay. And, you know, making mistakes and, and all of that is okay while you're figuring it out and learning new things is okay. Like you, you weren't already supposed to know about that. So it's, you know, a great learning opportunity. Yeah. I just really appreciate how you show up. I know that I have drawn a lot of inspiration from you and definitely evaluated my relationship with social media just from watching you. So I'm so happy to hear that. What are you doing offline right now? What are your, can you tell me your hobbies? Well, so it's so funny that you brought up trying something new or trying something again that you used to do. I decided yesterday that I I got this free trial for, it's called Steezy. And it's like online dance classes because I used to be a dancer. Yes! I was like, okay, I'm going to figure this out and I'm just going to like try and move because (laughs) I love like... I love to move and movement is something that I used to find a lot of like solitude in and help me process things. And then I had some bad experiences with yoga and the yoga world. And so that kind of, I just had to figure out how I can move without having so much pressure or like working out because I want to look like this instead of just like working out because it feels good. So I was like, the last time I did that, I was in a dance class. (laughs) So I... Took a dance class yesterday. Fuck yes, you did. And Steezy, what a cool name. Also, hi, Steezy. We we need to send this to them just as a shout out. Steezy is helping people keep social media social by getting them offline and getting them dancing. I love that. What is something that you do that makes you feel like your best self? Actually, I really feel like my best self when I teach. Um, So I, I, so that was... That's partly what I did to for my aligned activism is I volunteer through Reading Partners, which is a nationwide organization that provides one-on-one um, literacy, um, so like reading training um, and tutoring to kids who need it, and they're usually behind at least a grade level. Um, so I, I love to teach. I love to tutor. And then luckily I am able, um, through our company, I do a ton of teaching um, about social media and part, a huge chunk of our business is, is me teaching. And I, that just sets me on fire in a way. Like it makes me feel like a damn superhero. It it is the most incredible feeling inside and out. Yeah. Well, it shows. So I appreciate your teaching. Thanks. (laughs) Okay. The second one is what do you do to find inspiration? Maybe when you're feeling uninspired. Oh, I go, oh, oh, I go for a walk, but I notice all of the smallest things. Okay, like seriously, I challenge myself to basically, <laughs> so I do mental activities with myself. I'm laughing because this is going to sound crazy, but I don't care. Um, <laughs> I So I go on a walk, but I try to take every mindful step, every intentional step. And sometimes I go fast and sometimes I go slow. And sometimes I 
make myself imagine that if I were an ant and I were standing in this spot, what would I see right now? Like what, or if not, that I go from ant to squirrel to bunny, like to different size, because we're all going to see, even if we were all standing in that same spot, we'd all see it differently. And then I think about like, well, how would an ant take a photo of where I am right now? That's amazing. <laughs> so I try to see very small things and I try to get inspired by very small things because if I can, if I can find inspiration from small things, then I'll notice the magic around me all the time no matter the circumstance. That makes me think of, we hear a lot of finding the present moment and, you know, find the present moment. But I think that can also be translated into looking for the small things. Because if you're looking for small mm-hmm. things, you have to be pretty focused on what's in front of you. Mm-hmm. Bingo. I like it. Okay, last one. What piece of advice do you have that if we all followed, we'd all be better off? You know, I'm going to quote the Dalai Lama here just because that's what's really coming to me right now. Um, The Dalai Lama um, said this about technology. He said, technology is wonderful as long as you remain its master and do not become its slave. And I, you know, especially especially for people in business and entrepreneurship and side hustles, you know, we use technology all the time. So how do we remain the master? That's good. It's a reflection, you know, and it's an ongoing mm-hmm. reflection and something to, to consider, like, as we all mm-hmm. try and figure out our relationship with technology because it's not going anywhere. So might as well take some time to figure it out. Okay, cool. Last question is how can we get involved with what you're doing online and where can we find you? Okay, so um, I'm going to list a couple of places. Um, the very first thing that I will say is that we are accepting new clients through McLaren & Co., Um, You can hire us for social media management, um, strategy consulting. Um, Our, you know, our entry level package starts at $500. Um, So we do try to help people with different budgets, but we do work primarily with mid-sized businesses who have been in business a few years um, just for our ongoing services. Um, So if you're interested in, in, you know, delegating social media, getting that off your plate, um, that's mclernanandco.com. And I'm going to spell McLernan. It's M-C-L-E-R-N-O-N-A-N-D-C-O.com. So McLernanandco.com. Um, and then you can contact us. If anyone is listening to me and wants to connect with me, you can follow my Instagram. It is a person, just radical transparency. It's a personal Instagram, but it means I manage it. Um, so my name is Amanda McLernan. And you can look that up on IG for getting involved and keep social media social. Oh my gosh, I'm so excited. We're launching the community this year. So at the time of this recording, we are still in construction, um, in radical transparency. So at the time of this recording, if you want to be involved and keep social media social, whether you want to, um, you know, become a member, we're going to have membership options here soon, whether you want to get a copy of our magazine, um, or if you want to have me talk and just somehow you're like, hey, I've got an idea about how we can keep social media social together we need to collaborate or we need to go talk to these people whatever right now please send me an email and my email is amanda at mclernanandco.com the instagram account for keep social media social is literally just typing keep social media social and then you can start using the hashtag to show that you're part of the community all 
All right, that's the tea for this week, everyone. I really hope you enjoyed that episode. I know that I did. Amanda has definitely been one in the last year and a half that makes me question and reflect on my habits and behavior with social media. And it's been really good to kind of recognize why I do some of the things that I do and how I feel when I'm posting different things. Social media can be really challenging to navigate and our relationship with social media can be really difficult to understand and navigate. And I really love that there's more conversations about what this can look like and what balance can look like and what the effects of social media actually has on us because we don't have to spend all of our time online. Anyway, if anything did resonate with you, please DM me and let me know. I love to connect and I love to hear from you and I love to get your feedback on these episodes. If there's something you really like, if there's another topic that you'd really like to hear about, if there's a guest you'd like to hear from, please let me know. I would love to hear what you have to say. Thanks so much for listening. I will catch you in the next episode.